I'm a walking miracle. I tell you, the day before I went to the youth conference, I got so sick. How many of the devil hates when you're about to bring the word of God? I mean, I couldn't breathe. My nose and throat was sore. My eyes were watering. I was just so sick. And then when I preached, I got better, went home and slept all day. And text Pastor Paul last night. I'm like, you might want to be my wingman. I don't know how it's going to go tomorrow. Um, but I woke up feeling fine. Thank you, Jesus. And walking in that miracle. Amen. So I'm going to do part two on miracles. I hope you were here last week. If not, make sure you jump online and listen to that message because uh, we're really going to build on creating miracles in our life. Last week was on waiting for the miracle. How many hate waiting? We all hate waiting. Y'all should have raised your hands, you heathens. We all hate waiting, don't we? What does God do while we're waiting? What happens in us when we're waiting? So I just encourage you, get online and listen to that. But today, part two in miracles, and I know you all are going to love this topic, and it doesn't affect any of you, I'm 100%. So take notes and bring them to your family and friends. This is just for other people. But my, my message is called Stop Controlling That. I know there's no control freaks in here. Stop controlling that. The area that you want a miracle in your life, the breakthrough in your life, the change in a relationship, whatever it is, you've got to relinquish control. Now, don't raise your hands and don't try to raise the person's hands next to you. Then we'll really know you're a control freak. <laughs> but how many of you have areas that you have control in? It's like we are tight-fisted on areas, and it's hard to let go. It's hard to trust God, isn't it? It's hard to rely that God's really going to move in your situation. And I want you to think as we get started this morning, what are the areas of your life that you are trying to control the most? Sometimes it's hard to think for ourselves, so just ask your neighbor or a family member. They clearly know what you're trying to control in your life. But what is it? Is it the area of people in your life? Controlling that relationship? Is it people's opinions in your life or the environment in your home? Come on, ladies. I grew up in a home where my mom was a clean freak. We had a realtor come through. They, the realtor didn't even know that she had two children under the age of two. That's how clean her house was. My mom was a lady, and she's still so amazing. She taught me some great worth ethics. But she'd take the rake after she vacuumed so her footprints wouldn't show in the carpet. We need to relinquish some control, don't we? Whether it's big or whether it's small. Some of us may be in an area where the Holy Spirit's trying to change us. Just let it sit there for a minute. I don't have an interpreter today. I can, I can let it sit there. Maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to change our behavior or our patterns or, or draw us close to him in some discipline of maybe reading or praying or spending time in his presence. And the Holy Spirit is challenging you, but you still want control. How many know trusting the Holy Spirit in any area of your life can be difficult because we want the outcome. We want to be able to change it in our ability, but God wants you to let go of control. And this may be hard to hear this morning, but your need to control might show you one of your biggest areas of spiritual vulnerability. Whatever you're hanging on to and you feel like you've got to be the one to make that happen and you've got to, I don't want to say it, but manipulate it and organize it and get it structured perfect. And I believe God blesses structure, but there's sometimes he wants us to let go in faith, believing that he can turn things around. <clears throat> Number one, when you attempt to control them, what you attempt to control the most often reveals where you trust God the least. 
And so what happens when we're not trusting God, the opposite of trust is what? Fear. So we're fearful. We're fearful that the situation isn't going to change. We're fearful that maybe the marriage isn't going to work out. We're fearful that maybe the finances aren't going to be there when we need them to be there. We're fearful to love and trust someone because we've been betrayed before. Come on, somebody. And what happens is the more less we trust God, the more control that we want. And then fear comes in and we're afraid of losing control. And so then we want to control some more. And it's like this non-ending circle that we can't get out of. Maybe you want to control or fearful of what others think about you. Think about your situation. I've been there. Maybe you've been a fearful of abandonment. You've trusted relationships before. You've trusted God before. You've opened up and been vulnerable and you've been burnt by it. And now you feel like somebody's not going to be there for you. Maybe you have experienced an emotional pain in your life and you're fearful of opening up and allowing God to take those emotions out of you. A brokenness, a, a, a shame, past failure in your life. Maybe you've been disappointed in your life and fear is there. Maybe you just are afraid of losing control. Well, I want to give you some good news this morning that God is in control of every area of your life. He is the one who fights the battle for you. God is the one that makes a way where there seems to be no way. We can do some things in our life, but ultimately God is in control. And if we can learn to put our faith and trust back in God, we'll step into the peace of God and the joy of God that we need until this situation is turned around for good. In Psalms 121, it says this. I love this scripture verse. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Whatever you're facing in your life, your help comes from the Lord. It may have a little bit of influence with your boss, but that's not where your help comes from. You're, you may want a little bit from your spouse, but that's not where your help comes from. You may have your paycheck every Friday and it gets deposited, but that's not where your help comes from. When you need a miracle in your life, my help comes from the Lord. I've got to look into the hills. I've got to look unto Jesus. He's the author. He already wrote it. And he's the finisher of my faith. He's the beginning and he's the end. Amen. He knows all the in-between. So whatever fear we're hanging on to, afraid of letting go, afraid of being vulnerable, afraid of trusting again, it's time to let that control go and say, God, you are my helper. You you are my provider. You know, there's so many things in my life that I have done scared. And I still do them scared. And I pray that the Lord always keeps that in my life because that means I'm building faith continually in my life. That means I'm stretching and I'm growing. That means my capacity is larger. That means that I went to another level. You really can't experience the next level of a miracle until you do things afraid. Because if you can do it in your own ability, you're not in faith. That's okay. I hope you pass faith tests to do some things in your own ability. But when you need that miracle, we've got to put God back in the driver's seat. We've got to give him the steering wheel and make control in your life. Amen. You've got to start letting God make the decisions. Let go and let God. Let's look at Psalms 144 verse 3. I love this. It says, he is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, and whom I take refuge. 
when you are waiting on your miracle and there's fear there and there's control and you want to control the situation, you've got to run into the refuge of God. You got to run into that strong tower and you've got to trust God that whatever's going to happen in your life, it will happen according to His will, His purpose, and His timing. I wanted to share this story with you of a beautiful young girl that I recently met. Her name is Aya. Aya. Aili. Ayla. It's all the vowels. We're just going through all the vowels. A E I O U. Well, I'll get it one of these seconds. <laughs> Anyway, uh, one of my pastor's wives, her name is Heather, and her and her husband pastor a wonderful church in the West Valley. And uh, she was in my group one day, and she opened up for prayer with us ladies. And she said, I want you to pray for this, this beautiful young girl, Ily. They say it right? Isla. Isla. Anyway, I want you to pray for my son's friend, Isla. Isla has come from the Islam faith. And they obviously can have no Christianity. Well, her son won her to Jesus, and she got radically, radically bored again at her school. And she started sneaking and attending this church in, uh, at Heather's home. They have a home church right now. And she was sneaking and attending. Well, the family found out about it. And as you know, the custom of that faith, when they found out, they beat her down. And they said, the whole family beat her down and said, you, you will not serve God. You will serve our God. She's 17 years old. And so she stopped going to the church, and she stopped proclaiming her faith. And finally, as the year went on, she was turning 18, and she said, I, I love God, and I have made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And even though it's different than what my family believes, she had to make a strong decision to trust God. I'm talking about controlling things, right? We want a miracle. We want to maybe sneak around, and we want to maybe try to make it happen. But sometimes you have to make bold declarations of faith in your life to say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to make this declaration that no matter how it turns out, no matter what it looks like, I know that God is going to be on my side. And here's this girl just turning 18 said, I'm going to serve God, mom and dad. I'm going to serve the creator that saved my life. And in that moment, her family cut her off. She immediately lost her mom, her dad, her sister, her car, her cell phone. And I thought, what a courageous young girl. I don't even know if I could have done that at her age, let alone right now, to say, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to let God be in the driver's seat. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know where my life's going to be, but I'm going to serve God. And she did, and so this family took her in, and they began to love her back to life and, and be there for her. But I begin to think, I can't even imagine, even though I had a family, temporary family take me in, how hard that must have been to lose her mom and dad and sister. Like, I'm, I'm still just so shocked at her courageous faith. And so this family took her in while well, she's really pretty, so of course the son fell in love with her. And uh, the mom said, we got to get y'all married. And so we were sitting in the back, and she was sharing the story. And we all were just weeping and just praying for this young girl. And a beautiful pastor's wife that was in there, she said, you're not going to believe this. My son was in the same situation as your son. He married a woman of Islam faith, and her family cut her off. And she said, I'm going to give you $1,000 to give to her to buy her wedding dress. And I said, wow. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you the church and you can get married here for free. And then Elder Karen said, well, I'll do your reception for you. So we had about maybe 10 girls or so, I don't know who was involved, to make this happen. And yesterday she got married here at Faith Builders Church. Show her picture. It's this beautiful, beautiful girl. 
And she chose Jesus and said, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to trust you. See, when you let go of control, quit trying to manipulate the person. Quit trying to have your agenda. Let it go to God. God will supernaturally meet the need of your heart. Amen. And I walked in here on uh, Thursday, and I walked and prayed over this sanctuary for her. And I said, God, let her feel your power. Let her feel your love. Because here she is walking down an aisle without her own birth father. And I said, Lord, let her not have anything missing and nothing broken. Let her have so much of the love of God over her that, Father, I believe you're going to restore that family. I told her this. I called her and I said, I'm going to tell you something. God showed you favor to show you that when you choose him, he will take care of you. And her wedding was 100% free, and she had the most. They partied to like 8.30 last night or something. They had such an incredible time. And I told her, I said, you know, the Bible says that when you're saved, your entire household shall be saved. And I'm calling that family to Jesus. And I'm calling them to have an encounter with the creator. And I believe this young girl is going to lead her entire family to Jesus because she let go of control. I don't know what's going to happen to my parents, God. I don't know where I'm going to live. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills, but I'm going to choose you. And when you choose God, he always makes a way where there seems to be no way, doesn't he? He's such a faithful God. Instead of wringing our hands and, and complaining and worrying, it's time to open up those fists and say, God, here it is. Here it is. I'm not going to try to control it anyway. Matthew says, hey, what is your worrying done about it anyway? Hasn't changed anything, just maybe made you pay, put on a little weight, you know. <laughs> Sleep a little less. <laughs> time to let go. Jesus, just like you, could have chosen control. In his life, and we're going to look at that. We're looking at the way Jesus lived this example, but he chose surrender. And he's asking the same thing of you. I want to read Hebrews 4.15 this morning. It says this, for we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, Jesus knows what you're going through. He faced many times in the word of God where he could have chose his own power and his own authority and it would have showed up. But instead of exercising his control, he surrendered control back to his father. Why? Because his father always knows best. And he always did what the father told him to do. So let's look this morning at Matthew 26. And this is the last supper of the story in Matthew 26. And Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. In verse 36 it says this. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Say Gethsemane. We all know this. But if you research Gethsemane, that word actually means oil press. See, many of us come to the times where we're in the oil press, aren't we? We're pressed on every side. It's a dark season. It's pressure. How is the bills going to get paid, God? How is this going to happen? How are you going to turn things around for good? And there's this intense pressure that happens in our life. And in a, norm, a normal oil press, the process is this. There's a high pressure and heat applied to squeeze out the oils. See, when you are in the Garden of Gethsemane, when you're in the season of intense pressure, you can't run and escape from it. Well, you can, but you shouldn't. 
Because God is allowing that Gethsemane season of your life to pressure and burn some things out of you. And the greatest oil will come out of you in that pressure time. I've been in that oil press. I'm actually in it right now. I think I'm at the end of it. Hallelujah. But it's been a pressing season, trusting God, relying on God, putting my hope back in him, worshiping him when I don't want to worship him, showing up when I don't want to show up anymore, being faithful, loving people unconditionally. You're in the wine press, and that pressure is going to release the oil of God out of your life. There's an anointing you will step into that is far greater than anything you've been through because you stayed in Gethsemane. He said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. You're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. You can stop the sun from shining if it needs to stop shining. You can put a millionaire in my path that believes in my call in my life, and you can pay the bills. God, I don't know what you're going to do, but here it is. You hang on to it. It doesn't belong to God. You hang on to those kids that they don't belong to God. You hang on to that marriage that doesn't belong to God. Let it go. You got to open up your hands and say, here it is, God. I'm going to give it to you. When I first took over the church, you've heard this story a million times. God, it's yours. Let it go. I will walk through this church every time I feel the pressure. Not my church, God. Thank God. Thank God it's not my church. If I had hung on to it, and, and how is it going to happen, and how are you going to have growth, and how are people's lives going to be changed, it ruined me and it stagnated this church. Because this church is not mine. I'm shepherding it. God has graced me to lead it and graced it with leaders to take it to the next level. But it's not mine. You've got to open up your fist. So he was in the place called Gethsemane, the oil press. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. There's more that you can do in your season of Gethsemane than just complain about it. Ask prayer for it. No, you take it to prayer. God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you're the way maker. You're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God, I don't know. I'm in this Gethsemane, in this garden, in a dark place all by myself, and I don't know how you're going to do it, but you are God, and you sit on the throne. And your word is yes, and your word is amen. God, you're going to be the provider in my life, and you take it to prayer. You can fight about things with people. You can have a lot of conversations. You can take on 10 jobs. I'm not saying any of that is wrong. But if that is where your faith is relying on that miracle, it will lay stagnant and never move. Listen, it will never move. But the moment you take it to God in prayer, the moment you lift up that throne room in the presence of God, God will begin to be, he hears faith and he begins to move and he makes a way where there seems to be no way. Look at verse 37, and he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Whew, how many ever been there in situations? Obviously, we're not facing it the way Jesus faced it. He had a reason why he was sorrowful, but it is the example of the sorrow in our hearts. It's the example of what brings us to this place of brokenness, of God, this is not what I want in my life. I didn't ask for this. Is there another way that this thing can be different than right now? Has anybody prayed those prayers before? I don't 
don't deserve this, God. I've been faithful. I showed up. I've been trusting you. I don't deserve this, God. I don't want this to happen. Can you stop it? And I prayed those prayers in the midnight hour. Jesus said, take this cup from me. Stay here, he said, and keep watch with me. Verse 39, going a little farther, Jesus again fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. I think sometimes we forget because we know the miraculous story of our Savior and what he did. But Jesus was all God, but he was also all man. He felt pain. He felt sorrow. He felt emotions. Jesus had a reason for his anguish, and he felt that, and he wants you to know that he is feeling what you've gone through. He knows your darkest hour. He knows the things that you desperately want changed in your life. But I love this about Jesus because he said, is there another way, God? Can I do something else in my life, Jesus? Can I, can I get out of this situation and make it easier for me? I would like a better situation. We all have had those prayers because that's real. But what you see about Jesus is he surrendered. And in the very next verse he said, yet not as I will but as you will. That was surrender. Whatever you're facing, whatever situation that you're holding on to, say, God, not my will, but your will be done. If you want it to be established, it will be established. If you want the change, the change will happen. Amen. I don't have to figure it out in my head or strategize it. You are the healer and the restorer and the redeemer and whatever needs to happen in my life. And I will promise you, it is a process. It doesn't happen the second you release that prayer. But if you stay in that lane, if you stay trusting God, if you stay in faith and don't look at what you see but what God says, God will begin to move that mountain in your life. The dust will begin to settle and you will see that was worth waiting for. It was hard to get this marriage restored, but now it's worth it because we're more in love than we've ever been before. We have more joy and happiness than we had at the beginning when we first fell in love. Come on, somebody. Listen, you hang on. You fight the good fight of faith. Don't grow weary while doing good. God is making a way where there seems to be no way. Not my will, but your will be done. doesn't mean you just sit back, but you stay in faith, believing Verse 42, Jesus went away a second time and prayed. Everybody say second time. Sometimes surrendering takes more than one attempt. Because you may feel good in that moment, but when stress starts to hit you, when familiarity starts to want to breed back into your heart, you got to take it and throw it at his feet again. And you got to do it again. And you got to keep doing it, amen, until that miracle begins to manifest in your situation. Said in verse 42, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. Your will be done. Take the fist. You're going to open it. Some of you need to go home today. Take that thing that you're overwhelmed and stressed about and fighting. Here it is, God. 
here it is. Here's my kids. I can't draw them to you anyway. Here's the sickness in my body. I can't do it anyway. Here's my resources. I'm tithing. I'm faithful. I'm trusting you. Can't change it anyway. <laughs> I'm waiting for a helpmate. Can't make it happen. Only God can do it. I'm going to trust you. Take everything that you're fearful and, 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 and holding and say, God, it's yours now. Choose surrender. The cultural norm would say, you make it happen. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me, let me say this. You get control. You take charge. You know your destiny. Get that training in order. Get A, B, C, D. Nothing wrong with that. But that is not your life preserver. That is not your faith. That system and orders. Everything else is, God, you are in control. Because in any moment, life can sweep everything away, and your faith is going to have to be back in God anyway. Amen? You don't always have to have the power to control, but you always have to have the power to surrender. Amen? I've been in some situations where like, I, don't, I don't know how that thing's going to change, and I have no ability to control. There's nothing I could do or say to this situation, but I do have power over myself. That that situation will not have me. It will not have my emotions. It will not have my joy. It will not have my peace. Maybe for a minute, but it will not overtake me. Because I'm going to keep surrendering it back to God. Amen? Put it back into God's hands. Let me ask you this morning, would you rather have your will or God's will? Amen. Why? Because God has it bigger than you could think dream, or imagine. You want a little bill paid. God's like, wait, I'm about to make you debt free. <laughs> we have so such small faith in where God is a great big God. He has a cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. We serve an all-powerful God. And what you want is say, God, I can only see here, and this is what I want changed. But when you surrender, God's like, oh, now I have control of that. Now I'm going to begin to set you up in a way that only I can shine in that situation. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So, God, not what I want, but what you want. Let your will be done in this situation. Jesus doesn't invite us to just a life of comfort and ease, but also to a life of sacrifice and surrender. And I always thought in my young Christian walk that when Jesus asked something of me, it would be like I'd have supernatural strength. Has anybody ever been there? You make a godly decision. Jesus, I'm going to serve you all the days of my life. My life is not my own. It's, it's yours. God's like, okay. Thank you for saying that to me. Now you're going to lay your life down and you're going to make some sacrifices and you're going to trust me. There's some things that we go through when God says to die to yourself. They're not always hip, hip, hooray decisions. They're not always feel good because a living sacrifice means you feel it when you sacrifice it. You feel it when you show up on Sunday when you don't want to show up. You feel it when you tithe and you're like, God, I don't know if I can give this tithe to you. You feel it when you do and obey God. But God rises up in those challenges, amen. You're putting God in control. The sacrifice is worth it. It's worth it for your children. It's worth it for obeying God. It's worth it struggling to get through to that miracle. I never imagined in the, the first years of this ministry when I took over, it was like the kiss of God hit it. I mean, God kissed it. And we were 
three services packed out and people were being saved, healed, and delivered. I'm like, whoa, God, you're amazing. And then COVID happened and, and life happened and our church went back to square one. And I'm like, God. And I waited for that kiss. Where's the kiss, God? Where's the people gone? Surely you're going to send them from the north, south, east, and west. And in about a month, we're going to be back to three services, God. And it didn't happen the same way. It was like this little, <laughs> God, are you with me? God, are you here? Can you hear me? Take this cup from me. This is hard. Trusting you, worrying about what people think, worried about strategy, worried about people's lives, carrying the weight on my shoulders. God, it's not my church. I'm going to surrender. But I'll sacrifice prayer. I'll sacrifice fasting. I'll do what I need to do to make sure this church stays in the agenda God's called it to be in. And it has been a walk of faith. And I'm sharing this with you because there are sacrifices to get to your miracles. It's not always about you in the moment. It's not always about how you feel and what other people think. Put all that behind you. Don't try to impress people or man. Nothing matters because God sits on the throne. And wherever he wants you and what he has for you, you will have. And it will be God's assignment. It will be God's way. And now look at our churches growing. New people are coming in. They're getting saved. We had 30 people enrooted last Sunday. Listen, God builds his house. But I will tell you from 2020 to 2023 has not been an easy journey. And I know it's not been there for you either. That's why I'm being vulnerable with you. It's been a tough season for all of us. It's like dragging your feet through cement. But I'm here to tell you, stay in the fight. Stay in the game. Let it go to God. Let go of control. And that miracle, the Bible says, will chase you down. Really quick as we're closing. Got to close. Uh, put this graphic up on the screen, would you, sweetheart? This is the circle of concern. In the gray is your responsibility. I didn't have time to go into it. Of course you have some responsibilities. Pay your bills. Budget your money. Don't overspend. Walk in love. Forgive. There's things you have to do. But that circle of responsibility is you. You're in control of your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Take control of you. That's what you are responsible for. Everything else outside of that is out of your control. Other people's feelings, thoughts, actions, behaviors, out of your control. That means you entrust it to God. God, I give them to you. Boy, I just want to call my kid and tell them off. Nope. Now, if you're supposed to, do it. If you get a word from God, because you know mama's. Yeah, there's those word of God moments. Nothing wrong with that. But you trust him to God. Now, I, I was kind of the good kid of the family. My brother tests the bar boundaries. He's a man of God today. But he tested the boundaries. But my mom would talk to him like he was saved. Not Adam. Boy, you know what God did, Jeff, at church? You know what God told me? You're going to pray for me. I don't want to pray for you, Mom. No, son, you're going to pray for me. There's healing in your hands. I don't want to pray for you. And he would, and she'd get healed. And he confessed later, the reason why I don't want to pray for you is because I knew you'd get healed. And I didn't want to be accountable for that. 
There's things that you do that's out of your control. Just walk in love. Say, God, get them. My favorite prayer is trouble their hearts for the things that trouble you. Everything that's outside of my gray circle, trouble their hearts for the things that trouble you. Draw them in by your Holy Spirit. Let them have an encounter with God that only the Spirit can give them. There are things that you have put inside your responsibility that is overwhelming you, weighing you down, stealing your joy, stealing your peace. And God says, let it go. Even the five-year-olds know that song. Thank you. I was just wondering. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Amen. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. God, I thank you that you release this gift of hope to their lives. That, Lord, today as they go home, they're going to take their fists and they're going to surrender it to you. They're going to say, not my will, God, but your will be done. I thank you for every one of them. I thank you for what you're doing in this church and in this city and in their lives, God. We just commit everything to you. And I want to make sure everybody knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You are the one who has to commit your life to Jesus. Nobody else can do it for you. And I want you just to say this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let me share two things with you. If you are not enrooted and you want to be, it's an incredible discipleship class. Tonight, 5 o'clock. I think it's the last week to get involved. We have a couple extra books. Go register at guest services and get in that discipleship class. Following that is Celebrate Freedom. And those are for uh, hang-ups and addictions and strongholds. And that will be releasing right after Rooted. Amen. I love you all so much. God bless you. Let's welcome Pastor Paul.